What's going on? This is the man of the hour, Leo Rush, and you are now listening to Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery Jr., and this week I'm joined by my good friends, uh, Ek 2 Fly, Eric Trembicki. And Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. Uh, how are you guys doing this evening? Uh, nice and refreshed. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Alo, I know you're splendid. I know you're pretty beat after a long day on in them streets. Yes. With the postal service. One of the few people, you know, around that's still going to work regularly. Uh, so I definitely have some sympathy for you in that respect. <laughs> Uh, we're reviewing this week uh, the Raw after WrestleMania 14, March 30th, 1998, from the Pepsi Center in Albany, New York. Uh, before we get into that, though, there actually is some news that we might as well touch on while we're here. Uh, WWE after uh, Linda McMahon and basically <laughs> the McMahon family donated almost $20 million to, I guess, the Trump campaign for their Florida re-election. Um, somehow got themselves deemed an essential business, even though, trust me, that shit is not essential. Nobody needs to be watching that shit. Hold up, essential media. Yeah, it is not. Um, nobody needs to watch it, and almost nobody is watching it when you really think about it. Um, but they're deemed an essential business. They're forcing their employees to do live recordings on Monday and Friday nights again. And then, like, two days after that, a bunch of layoffs and releases happened because of the climate of the uh, COVID-19 outbreak, despite the fact that they have more than enough money to pay these people temporarily. Um, look, I'm not going to pretend like, especially the on-air talent, like the actual wrestlers, I'm sure those guys are in a lot better position and girls are in a lot better position to handle getting laid off or getting let go from their jobs and like the average person. I was just telling you guys about my own situation, having not been able to, to actually collect any, any unemployment in the month that I've been laid off. But uh, despite the fact that they might be in a better position to handle this, it still sucks. Like if I never get to go back to my job, I'm not going to be like upset because it was just like another job. But a lot of these guys and girls got released from like the job that is their dream it sucks. It's a bad situation, and I think it looks bad for the company. Um, some of our uh, like favorite guilty pleasures, I know, were on the chopping block. So, just like how how are you guys feeling about the uh, the news today coming out of uh, WWE headquarters? Um, I would, you know, to piggyback off the one thing you mentioned, like you know, it is real sad because some of the there's a lot of those people. It is their you know childhood or lifelong dream. But some, some people that lost their job, you know, lost the job that they have had for six plus years, 10 plus years, 12 plus years. But the crazy thing is there are some people that got let go that have been working there for just months, you know, or, you know, even if it's a year, two years or, you know, just months. Like, imagine like the feeling of like you work your whole life, finally get there and you're there for a short amount of time and then you're like oh well didn't like diana perrazzo just get called up like on monday or last monday or something well she's been there for like two years on the main roster she's kind of like yeah she like comes back and forth they still like give her i think like an nxt banner when she comes Mm, out okay and like nxt is like social media like touts about her being on there every um every time she does have an appearance um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a perfect example. And then, I mean, you have a few people like you have, uh, Maria Canales and, um, Kurt Hawkins who both have been there, let go, made it back. And now I let go a second or third time. Yeah. So, I mean like that, that's something that, I mean, I, you know, I feel real bad about, um, not to sound like a prick, but like, uh, Maria's husband, like he's someone that's like asked for his release. Like the thing I do kind of like. I do like about this, like, you know, the revival just got their release a couple days ago and there's, you know, a tag team that have been asking for their release. So it's like, cool victory. Like 
You know, you, you've been wanting this. So there is a small handful of people that like, Hey, they've been wanting their release and they got it. And I said, like, cool. You, you got what you wanted, but there is a large chunk of these people that they definitely did not want this. They definitely are happy to be there. And it's just, it's a shame. Yeah. Like there's, there are some people, some of these people that it's actually going to work out for in their favor, but a lot of them it's not. And it sucks. Alo, um, anything you're thinking or feeling about this whole thing? Yeah, I'm in a boat with you when it comes to this. When, uh, well, first let me agree with Eric about the whole like this is like their dream job thing or whatever. And some people are fairly new, new, and uh, and the other thing I want to agree with is a lot of these guys that they did cut were asking for the release. Like a lot of these guys were sitting at home, and a lot of these guys have also peaked. For example, like. Um, Heath Slater, I think he was there for 14 or 16 years, I saw. And Ryder was there for 14 years. Hawkins probably maybe over 10 after you count both his durations with the company. Mm-hmm. So like, a lot of these guys, like they Rusev too, they hit the, they hit heights that and they peaked so long ago. So like after a while, they just kind of been, you know, floating around. And, and Rhino, Rhino talked about this when uh, he was just sitting at home. Like WWE is just like, you're just paying me hundreds of thousands of dollars thousands of dollars at home now get a release from wwe i'm not really gonna be like oh, i'm not like real overreacting like everybody about this part but like oh my god wwe released them i'm upset about the fact that the climate that we're in and that this vibe that was going on in the world right now is there's no independent really bookings for them to actually to now like i said everybody's upset about oh my god they released them but they a lot of these guys they weren't on television anyway they didn't really add anything to television or were they guilty pleasures and do we enjoy them yes but they weren't doing anything on television but the only thing the thing that makes me feel bad for them is that during this time they can't go to their bookings um there are there are other ways to support them uh cameos a way to support them their pro wrestling tees which i'm sure almost everybody on here is going to open uh Ryder and hawkins they've done an excellent job uh um, creating another outlet for themselves while they were WWE. For example, Preps contributed to Ryder's wedding at the end of the year <laughs> with his Patreons, with his Patreon <laughs> patronage. So, <laughs> so they've done a great job of building brands outside of WWE, which is something I can get into on, a, on another day. But that's one thing I feel bad about them is because they can't work. And like WWE, like they always give out great severances. I think they get. I know NXT superstars they get released. They got thirty days a month's pay. Um, but I was just that, gonna ask, like, what you know about that? So like, are all of these like are they all like? Let's just hit, put a round number of twenty five people got let go today. Like, are they like cut and dry? Or are they still get any pay from them? Oh, WWE, they, they're gonna pay them. They always pay. Yeah, everyone is getting okay. some type of severance pay. I, yeah. It hasn't been announced. The only thing I saw specifics yeah. was NXT is the 30 days pay, and then they're free to to do whatever they want. They don't have like a non compete clause or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a full clean release, I guess. At the end of this, uh, continue yeah. though, Ayla. Yeah, and I, I would expect the the main roster guys they might get um, two months worth of pay or whatever. But that's why I'm just so that that's the reason I have a problem with it. Like. Even it's even affecting WWE that they have to cut all these calls for all these shows they're, they're going to be missing. And everybody on the internet now they're like, "Oh my God, Rusev can go to AEW." Uh, I don't think AEW is going to be in a rush to sign anybody because they're in the same predicament as mm-hmm. WWE is. They don't run live events, but they have to refund people for all in. I mean, not all in, double or nothing. Then they have to have to refund people for weekly episodes of Dynamite. So I don't think any wrestling organization, WWE, WWE and AEW being the the main two that have the most money. I don't think anybody's running to actually sign anybody now at this point. Right. Like apparently yeah, I, WWE I anything, even just said they have this like $500 million reserve fund. And so you look at having that type of money set aside and you're still letting all these people go. Yeah. How is AEW, which is a new company that I know the cons are very wealthy, but I know that company has not made nearly the type of money that WWE has made. Uh, so how are they supposed to be all of a sudden just handing out paychecks? Like, I don't yeah. see how that works. And I think like, if anything, they've been sitting around for like the last week, like, okay, cool. Let's figure out the right money to give the revival because like they wanted the revival. And then it's like, Oh, here comes a slew of like, you know, obviously it, then it's like, you're not, they're not going to sign 25 people. They're not going to sign 20. They're not going to sign 10. I mean, they might take 10% of them, which, you know, 
What are you looking at? Three people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, and they, to be honest, AEW shouldn't be trying to sign most of these guys. Like yeah, they you, you don't want to just become like the WWE castoffs. And then, yeah, yeah, and, and they've said they've said that from day one that like they're not going to be looking aside like everyone that comes out of. Yeah, if you start getting all the people that WWE WWE releases, you start looking like the minor leagues. And it's not like that when, like, you can present, like, okay, you could look at, at, like, the elite and a lot of the talent they have. A lot of people Mm -hmm. might look at that as the minor leagues, but really all it is is guys that have not reached their highest level yet. Um, Yeah. But if you start getting guys that reached that level and fell off, it's like, what are you even doing? Like, how's that going to attract anyone? So yeah. they shouldn't even be trying to. I don't want to see any of these people out of a job, uh, especially not for long. But it definitely shouldn't be AEW's mission to be like, okay, let's scoop them all up now. Yeah, the only people I can actually see in AEW signing are the tag teams, really, which uh, Ryder and Hawkins. But I think they could do whatever the hell they want on their own to be successful. And well, Ryder uh, and Cody revi- are boys, so that definitely yeah, possible. The revival, um, or whatever they're calling themselves now. And I could see Gals and Anderson going there, or they just go end up going back to Japan. But other yeah, than that, that's, other than that's that, another team that they'll be successful, kind of whatever they do. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I don't think AEW should even touch anybody else. I think EC3 will end up back in Impact because where he had the most success, and um, maybe for women as far as AEW, maybe Diana. But I don't really see AEW really going out their way to sign a bunch of these guys. Yeah, and I guess my last comment on it is, I know WWE has money. I know Vince has money. I know they're not hurting. I know that they're in a position where they're not bringing in as much right now as they should, but they have plenty. And uh, I just have to say I'm very thankful to WWE because it seems like every two weeks they do something that 100% vindicates me for turning my back on them. It's like, (laughs) yup, that's why I hate you fucking pieces of shit. So thank you for that, for always making me feel like, you know what, I made the right decision by ending so, my relationship um, Cash, with your I product. voiced this one little tidbit earlier on um, Instagram. Mm-hmm. So um, j- just to kind of piggyback on what you said and just to kind of help you hate them a little more. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we just went through all these, you know, kind of sprinkled around with some of these names. And yet, don't get me wrong, I do feel bad for all of them. Um, ones that are more emotional about it online, I feel worse for than the people that were asking for their release. But personally, um, and you know, I just kind of want to hear your reaction to it. The one that almost hurts me the most is Kurt Angle being let go because they bring him back and he, they get all these documentaries, the 24, the hall of fame. And in all his promo packages, he said, Vince McMahon has always told me, when my neck was getting bad that take care of yourself you will have a job for life here and then when he's you know getting out of that gm role he's like well you know i have a job here for life yeah yeah so i did not uh that never even really crossed my mind and i don't know if i even maybe i've heard him say it but it definitely didn't like retain in my in my brain yeah that's mm-hmm. fucked up but but you're still going to pay some fucking assholes like Brock and Bill Goldberg <laughs> to do nothing, nothing for you. Who and fuck? You know what? Brock at least I get because he had like a pretty big run, like his original time there. And regardless of how I feel about him now, there mm-hmm. was a time when he came back when he was like the attraction. Even during the time of us doing Matt Madness, there were times when we looked at him as an attraction. So I at least could give a pass for that. But fucking Goldberg. Get the fuck out of here. He's a WCW he has no guy. Dates, Cash. Huh? <laughs> he has no dates. So But they could yeah. have at least announced his they they let him go. Yeah. yeah. But the one but the but the one good note, since Kurt I think because in the statement, a lot of the firing well releases were quote unquote labeled as short term and, and due to the circumstances. So I think a lot of those producers will actually be back. Uh, the Kurt yeah, Hurricane Helms. I think those guys will be back. So like in you know like Kurt like Hurricane Helms, Fit Finley, uh, Billy Kidman, like yeah, do like all of them have like good wrestling careers? Were they good wrestlers? Do we all like respect those guys? Like yeah, but like the whole thing I think like why like I thought about that Kurt Angle thing right away. I'm like man, 
He's not like he was like a no cornerstone of yeah, not not like no disrespect to anyone else, but like those three people I just named, like those are their in ring bodies of work are more WCW. Arn Anderson left. His more of his in ring work was WCW. Dean Malenko left. Arn Anderson and Dean Malenko are both in AEW again. WCW guys. I'm sitting here. I'm like. Kurt Angle is a Hall of Famer, a former WWE champion. Like no other producer, like like has the credentials he does. And I'm like, that's a bad look to fire him. I mean, that's just like uh, I don't know, dirty, dirty. No, I, I agree 100 percent with that, and I'm glad that you brought that one up because I didn't even think to to bring that up. Um, yeah, it's messed up. PA strong, gosh, PA strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh zone. Uh, a uh, one of the heroes of um, former unsanctioned guest uh, Nick Lendl. He uh, who grew up in Pittsburgh. Kurt Angle was like a big hero to him. Yeah, it sucks. It's a shame. Um, but that aside, uh, we might as well jump into the Mania after or the the Raw after Mania fourteen. Uh, it opens, of course, with little shots of all the media coverage that WrestleMania fourteen got. <laughs> Uh, Tyson knocks out pro wrestler. It was all the, the newspaper clippings, which made me laugh. Uh, Vince opens the show coming out with that brand new big Eagle belt with that blue strap, which I love so much. Uh, such a beautiful Beautiful. blue, uh, love that belt. Um, and this just felt like an event because you think about it, like the whole lead up to, so th- there was an inevitability to Austin winning the title. Like, we all knew it was happening. But it was one of those times where, like, the inevitable thing, like, it wasn't a disappointment because we knew it was happening. It was like, yes, we finally got this thing we've been waiting for. This felt like an event because we had been waiting for it for a long time. It w- and this was like, no pun intended, this was like a new day for WWF. That like Yes, it is. The, fa- the face of this company now is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, so like opening segment to me, like when I think back on this era of wrestling and like what I, like when I loved it the most, like this type of opening segment was what I think of. Like, this is what it was when it was at its best. Do you guys agree with that? Like this was kind of like the face of the greatness of this company. Just Vince, Vince and Austin and Austin, Vince doing everything he could to make Austin what he wanted him to be and Austin doing everything he could to say, Vince, I'll never be even close to what you want me to be. I'm going to be the opposite of what you, what, what, do you, what you want me to be. So Eck, th- this opening segment, like you go back and watch this, like how did you feel watching this segment with these two? Chills, it's classic. It's, it's good. It's, uh, it feels, um, I like the, the dark mystique you get abroad, the less lighting um, simplistic stage, um, the realism, um, it just like still like what rewatching it. Like, I don't care how many documentaries I watch about the attitude era or like a videography about stone cold. Like, and I don't care how many times I've seen this episode of raw because I've seen it plenty of times, put it on. It's like, Oh, this is real. <laughs> it's just good. It's good. It's, he's so believable. It's, uh, it's the good feelings. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you of course get the uh Vince do it like one of my favorite Vince personalities is the like trying to act like the nice guy. Like you know, I'm I'm very proud of you. Uh, I'm very proud to have you represent my company uh together. <laughs> you know You think you, that's how the text messages came out today? Probably exactly like that. The fake the fake nice guy Vince. Um and of course, Austin having none of it, and maybe the highlight of the whole thing is Vince telling him, like, you know, I I think you're a swell guy. I love you, and and they go on that whole rant about Austin trying to make him say again that he loves him. Uh, just fantastic. Uh, ultimately, Austin is told we could either do this the easy way or the hard way, and when Austin questions him, he ultimately says like. The hard way, you're basically going to be forced to do it my way anyway, so you might as well just do it the easy way. And leads to the big stunner on Vince. And Alo, this opening segment for you, like, how do you feel going back and watching this? I loved it because this was like a, a perfect, like, this was like kind of like perfect character development for Vince. Like, it's his new champion because, mind you, 
this was kind of the, this is what I believe is the official start of the Attitude Era. A lot of people will go back to the Night After Survivor series the, in the past November just and they say that was the birth, but this is kind of like the birth because all the all the two top heads of the um the new generation are gone. Michaels is gone now, and Brett was gone in November. So this is basically a, a new generation. Well, no pun intended, but mm. but the new era <laughs> is ushered in. So. For what Vince and Austin would become, Vince kind of starting off like this, trying to you know be buddy buddy with Steve and say, "I, I love you," and like yeah. to see the progression in that storyline, like him th- getting due love involved in the weeks in the weeks after this, to, to to kind of beat Stone Cold. I thought it was like a great way to actually start this whole McMahon Austin thing, which is probably still arguably top two or three biggest feuds in wrestling history. Honestly, I think it's the biggest one. Uh, yeah, it, it's between that and Rock and Austin. I just think, like, I guess here's here's my reasoning for saying I think Austin and Vince is the biggest one because I think without Vince and Austin, Rock and Austin is never as big yeah, as what it was. Like mm-hmm. the 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 feud with Vince is what catapulted Austin to be like the legend that we all see him as now. Like that's the reason why any guy who's like between your age and like 50 and maybe even older than that, like followed WWE at some point because everyone was watching this at the time. Like guys I know who haven't watched wrestling in 15 years were watching then guys I know who never watched it before or since we're watching then. So this was to me like what put the like the the face on that whole era of WWE was like Austin versus Mr. McMahon. Um and we've talked about this a lot on the show. The whole idea of like everyone has like whether it's a boss you don't like or a parent that's overbearing or something like that. Like we all wish we could flip them off or you know punch him in the face or whatever and we got to see Austin like do that stuff we wished we could do in our daily lives, like every Monday night. And it was fantastic. And this whole segment I thought was great. Uh, Crowd energy off the charts. Even when he closes it, and there's a point when he holds up the belt and he's just, like, smiling. It's like the wide shot from the hard cam. And it's (laughs) like, you knew, like, he was so happy that this was as over as it was. He probably still at this point, as confident of a guy as he is, is shocked that like he's ended up in this position. You know, who would have thought five years before this he would be like arguably the biggest thing in the history of the business? Like nobody mm-hmm. would have saw that coming. So amazing segment, um, and then the whole thing hanging over it of like, how will Mister McMahon? How will WWF handle uh, Stone Cold as the champion? You get the great shot of Vince being attended to backstage. Um, then you get the introduction of LOD 2000, Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I was so bad. It was so good, but it was so bad. Oh my God. Yeah. Sonny with the Legion of Doom. Um, yeah, less than a minute match. And this, I don't think lasted too long. It didn't. Maybe a year at the most. Oh no, I don't know. Not even that. Not that long. It was just like a two month thing because... They will lose their match, their tag match to the Outlaws at Unforgiven. And then I think by June, Sonny is gone and um, Animal is having a. Is it, is it Animal the one that passed away or Hawk? Hawk passed away. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so Hawk started having problems again. So, yeah, so this doesn't even last, I think, three months. The one thing I did appreciate was remember like in 1998 where everything had like the, the 2000 label? Next like it was it. such a big deal. It was. Like, wow, 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're in 2020. And they're still trotting out names from 1998. Uh, police get called on Austin. Uh, Vince telling him, I need him arrested now. Uh, we get the Legends attitude ad. Um I even like this, the Kevin Kelly stuff backstage, like analyzing wh- what's happening back here. Like, <laughs> like he's like an actual reporter on the scene. Um, enjoyed that. And then one of my favorite things, you know, Austin was warned by DOA. Like, 
And then the report that, like, reportedly uh, Austin said Vince doesn't have the balls to fire me, which would – that would be a theme with them for a while of Austin telling Vince he didn't have the balls for stuff, leading to m- maybe my favorite Vince line of all time of – this was the uh, – was it – what pay-per-view was it with The Undertaker and Kane with him as the ref? Was it oh, Judgment uh, Day? No. Yes. With him saying if he didn't crown a new champion, he was going to fire his ass. And Vince tells him he doesn't have the balls to fire him. And Vince says, I don't have the balls. I've got balls the size of grapefruits, Austin. And come Sunday, you're going to be picking the seeds out of your teeth. Don't remember. I guess it was the the final Raw before that pay-per-view. Amazing moment Mm -hmm. from Vince. Um, Then we get Kurgan, the undefeated Kurgan versus Chains from DOA. I hated DOA, just to get that out of the I, way. I remember. I remember. The just ne- have never been one for the white trash, as you know. Uh, <laughs> even in 98, had no tolerance for it. Um, you got JR talking. See, this is another thing that's great about this time. You have JR, like, talking about the rift between DX. Like, that they're, like, hyping this story throughout the night and talking about it. Like, this is a, a thing we're waiting to find out about. And then... JR has a line of like Helmsley will clear it up and I there's something I really appreciate about hearing JR refer to him as Helmsley. I don't know why, but it's just like something oh, that gives me like a good feeling calling him Helmsley. They need, they need to do that now. <laughs> Helmsley. I I just well, love that so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something about that Helmsley though. Uh the I assume neither one of you have any thoughts on Kurgan or Chains. Oh no. I was like, who the hell is this? <laughs> I mean, Kurgan's greatest run was as a member of the Oddities, from what uh, I remember. That's what I thought he was in. I was like, who the fuck? I thought he was with the Oddities. That's what I thought. I was like, who, who the hell is this? Um, the police show up, um, like, on the scene as Vince. And I love this, too. Vince, like, waving them. Like, he's now in charge of the police. <laughs> like, all right, all right, boys, follow me. Uh, we get the Mankind Jax Slammers ad. Do either of you have any Jax Slammers? No, I don't. Eck, I have no you? Jack's products. Okay, no Jack's none at products. all. Okay. Um, we get Tennessee Lee introing Jeff Jarrett. Ain't he great? Uh, and I got to say, as a guy who's not a, uh, a big Double J fan and probably more of a detractor than anyone else on the show, I got such a delight out of watching him come down on the horse. I did too. <laughs> like I popped I huge love- for that, and I didn't expect to. But there, I really enjoyed seeing him come down on the horse. Uh, and Eck, I think you are a Double J guy, right? No, not really. No, I mean I actually hated him when I was younger. But he is someone that I think, like when he had like the thing with. Um, Kurt's wife and like real life and like that whole like and when he was kind of like going down the drain and like was cleaning himself up and then got his Hall of Fame spot I just kind of like appreciated that because of like everything he's done for other companies and like kind of like he's been a thorn in Vince's ass for like 17 years and then finally comes back and probably if it wasn't for Triple H wouldn't have come back so like for the history of wrestling there's stuff about him I appreciate the one thing I was mentioning earlier, like I've seen this episode of Raw so many times, like a year ago when I started um, rewatching all the Nitro episodes, now mind you, you know, that's going back to late 95. But I remember like seeing Tennessee Lee in, you know, these episodes and him having his, his spot with uh, Jeff Jarrett. He, he was a manager in a lot of the early Nitros. And it's like, it, it is just funny how everyone really did intertwine in those, you know, late nineties, mid late nineties really did bounce back and forth from those two companies. A very incestuous industry. <laughs> I think is a good way to put it. Like they all were back and forth. Uh, how bad was, was Jared's gear at this time though, with all oh, the straps, the whole yeah, awful. Uh, we get Steve Blackman showing up uh and ha- yeah me too i'll always pop for steve blackman i don't even know why but i always will <laughs> the martial arts expert steve blackman uh we get austin seeing him getting cuffed and dragged out of the back he attacks vince even while he's handcuffed and being held by four police officers um again th- like to me this is like when you think back on this era th- like these are the the moments that you that like stand out 
is like Austin being like that guy uh, with Mr. McMahon uh, yelling at Vince from the back of the police car. Uh, we had a Cartman sign when they came back, which I love that. Like there was a time that South Park was so big in yep. culture that people were showing up with Cartman signs. Yeah, especially with the outlaws because the outlaws yeah. will wear that gear all the time. Mm-hmm. But speaking of signs, anybody catch the uh, China has a schlong sign? <laughs> I didn't. But okay. <laughs> but I'm glad that you The camera recorded a few times yeah. on the neck. I, <laughs> I was funny. hoping I remember to bring that up. I don't know how I missed that. Um, now we have Vince coming out to address uh, what has happened and ultimately says he selected his choice and damn it, I selected mine. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he I don't know if either of you noticed the way he hops out of the ring like with such a cocky attitude. <laughs> it was so good. And as much as I hate the guy now, um like I just can't like unenjoy how great he was on TV back then. Um we get like the uh the the locker room promo with with Helmsley and China. And this is one of my favorite things. So this is before Hunter Hearst Helmsley was who we know him as now, like wrestling royalty. And I feel like there's a lot of little moments where you see that he was just like not that big of a deal. And even in this one, the the first line of his promo gets cut off, which it's just so perfect because one of the things I love to bring up is the, the HBK promo before the first Hell in a Cell match. And there's a point when Triple H goes to talk and he gets cut off. And here the beginning of his promo gets cut off. Um but he he talks about WWF as you know it, um, like it changes tonight. It'll be like X rated, or it'll have, come to an X rated end tonight. I believe is what he says. So now we're even getting like a tease for the promo that they're supposed to cut later in the night. Um, and I, I'm trying to think if I at this moment believed like Triple H could be the guy that would lead. DX. Like, did you guys look at him that way? Like, this guy could be the guy, or not really? I don't. Honest, I don't necessarily I mean, think I, I did. Well, I think Aaron and I. I'll try to speak for both of us, and he'll correct me if I'm not. I think we were probably just so young that I mean, right. it was one of those things. I, you know, it, again, I wasn't it, with what what we had gotten from Triple H at that time. You know that. Um, I see title reign, which I wasn't watching weekly. Then his European title reign, and it, you know, he was definitely Sean's lackey, and I was a Sean guy because of my older brother. And then he goes out, and then what we are going to see on this night is really, I mean, if you just watch this episode, I mean, it's really like okay, like is he is the guy? Yeah. So I mean, I, I it's not like I don't think I. Um, I don't think Raw started that night, and I was like, oh, RIP DX, Triple H can't do it. Dale, I'm assuming you're in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat, and I was just feeding what they gave me, but this was like one of the few instances where a new leader came in and the group didn't miss a beat. Yeah, I definitely didn't didn't expect that. Um, We have the ad for the, the cage match for the undisputed tag titles later in the night. Between the New Age Outlaws and uh, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, we get the the promo with The Rock and the Nation of Domination. First referencing time, the, the Shamrock time match the, the night before. First time with the new IC belt. First night. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's yeah, a good the point. First I night, forgot that was yes, the first yes, night. Yes, with the, the purple strap. Night, yeah, it's the first night for the new WWF title and IC title. And I find it strange still to this day. I haven't done my research on it, but this is still the block logos on the belts and those belts wouldn't change for a year and a half. Yeah. Except for the, uh, the world title, Mm -hmm. but the other belts, they kept their block logos until the night after no mercy 99. I know that. Which is weird that they, they didn't like have it all branded today. They would never do that. Have it unbranded. (laughs) Um, did they, I'm trying to remember and you know, maybe just from bouncing from in and out of room did they. They didn't make a big deal about it with the IC title being a new design, did they? No, they just, they just had it. <laughs> never mentioned, never commented on, commented on just was a new belt. Um, Rock has a line about how Farouk has really opened his eyes, and this was like around the time when he was starting to become great. Like, 
where the tide was turning a little bit, where he was like this guy who was hated and he was a heel that was booed, but a lot of people were starting to realize, like, oh, he's really good. I know that's where I was at this time, like, hated him for a couple years, and I was like, shit, I think he's actually good. Like, I think I like him. <laughs> um, the Warzone intro, which is always funny to see, like, that it was it was billed as, like, two different shows. You had Raw is War I, and the Warzone. Yeah, I love that because, in the, like, in the back in the old school TV guy, li- li- little boys and girls, it split off as Raw's War at 8 to 9, well, Nine to ten, and mm-hmm. the second in the second hour will be the raw the war zone. Yeah, so I did appreciate that. Yeah, like wasn't I would love for them to call raw raw's war again. Hey, why not? <laughs> it can't make the show any worse than it already is. Um, Good chance it could only make it better. <laughs> we get the tag match with Farouk and The Rock versus Shamrock and Steve Blackman. Steve Blackman just peppered all throughout this. Uh, <laughs> This episode of overall um and of course the famous moment when the rock on the, the bad ankle from ken shamrock walks out on farouk farouk calling out the rock saying he's gonna get an ass whooping or whatever and then the nation just destroys farouk and the rock becomes the leader and the ruler of the nation of domination alo how terrible was that beat down was it me or they just like it was in slow motion it wasn't good <laughs> I mean, it's a huge moment just because of what it it meant. Um, But yeah, it was not an especially well-executed beatdown. But we get The Rock now becoming like the the great one. I think this is kind of like the start of it. Now he's leading this um, faction. And even great that the crowd, how much the crowd was booing it. Like, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to hate Farouk because he's a bad guy, but now you're booing because they're beating him up. It's just like funny how quickly the crowd will, like, even turn on. Like, he became even more of a heel in that moment for beating up the guy who used to be part of his faction. Um, We get, like, the highlight, and this is always, like, one of my favorite, like, throwaway things, the highlight of Pete Rose uh, (laughs) getting tombstoned by Kane. I hate Pete Rose as a human being. I think, one, he deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but I do think he's, like, a gigantic asshole. But him going out there and cutting that promo on Boston, never being able to win a World Series, him going out there and being a heel I thought was excellent. And then just the randomness of like all fucking people, Pete Rose getting tombstoned by Kane I think is fucking hilarious and never gets old to me. Um, Now you guys probably don't really have much of a connection to Pete Rose because you didn't grow up watching baseball in the 80s or collecting baseball cards in the 80s like I did. But that's like one of those little things that like I'll just always find so entertaining. Um, so here we get to maybe like arguably as much as the Austin stuff was great. This is arguably like the most memorable segment of of the show. We get the the Helmsley and China promo addressing what is going on in DX and Triple H with the uh, saying all the things he said to Sean. Um, you know, Sean is it. Is it sewn up? Is it locked in? <laughs> is Tyson with us? And, Sean, you dropped the ball. But luckily, Triple H is here to pick it up. So we get we get the whole talk of, like, the genesis of the DX Army. Um, is this... Do you look at this, Alo and Eck, as, like, this was his first great promo? Like, he did oh, stuff yeah, before that there, was meaningful, else. but, uh-huh. like, is this the, the first thing, the first promo he did that's, like... That was great, and that was memorable. Easily. Because what, what are you going to say, a Blue Blood promo? <laughs> I mean, you could say, like, his his stuff with, uh, like, the degenerate stuff with Sean. There's probably some good lines, but he was always the background player. So this is definitely, this is his first real good one. Yeah, Alo, you agree Plus, with that? this is my bestie's favorite, like, promo. Like, top, yeah. <laughs> this is top three wrestling promos of all time. It is. I watched it seven times today. But, uh, and by, by, by the way, if I was recording this for YouTube, I was going to wear a DX shirt with my leather jacket. Beautiful. <laughs> if we were recording for YouTube. I kind of feel like you should have done it anyway, but proceed. I would have had to comb my hair, get a hat, and, and <laughs> go to my mom. No. Too much work. But anyway... I agree. This was his first big promo because this was the first time he was actually serious because DX was just all jokes most of the time. And if it was serious, it was just Shawn Michaels talking. So this is Hunter's actually 
coming out party, basically stepping up, saying, look, this is serious. I'm taking over. And like you said, you drop the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here to pick it up. So he he's actually take he's actually taking over he's actually putting his foot down saying look I'm taking over for DX and DX is going to have a new leader DX is DX isn't going to die and this was definitely his best promo for the time and even something i think is like a smaller detail that's like a big deal here is um he has a line in there when he says uh you know de- taking care of business it should have been handled from the start so it's like he he even gives you that idea whether you're thinking about it or not like that he was questioning Sean this whole time. Like he's not running this ship properly and now I know the way things need to operate. Like I've seen what he's been doing wrong all this time and now I'm here to fix it. And that leads to him uh going to uh to the click to his blood. His blood. Yes, and brings out and brings back X-Pac. Um and again, this is like a huge moment because this is, while like X Pac is clearly like the guy in last place out of the clique, he still was part of that. He still was a guy that everyone knew from his time in WWF that had, did memorable things in WWF. Um, and so it was a big deal that he was leaving the enemy and coming back. And of course, he he has the shoot on Hogan and Bischoff. Um, and it's like a memorable thing. Like this is again, this is we had the the whole Austin Mr. McMahon segment that's like, okay, this is the face of what the company would become, this whole thing between the two of them. But DX was also like right up there with that as like a huge part of the landscape. And that DX that we would see during this time was like about to start being built in front of our eyes at this night. And like nobody knew it at the time. So X-Pac comes out, cuts his promo, and actually, I'll let you guys talk about the stuff that that he said. There's some funny lines in there, obviously. Um, But the thing that stood out to me, and I don't think I ever noticed it before, right as they're about, like, they're wrapping it up and the microphones are put down, I think Triple H takes the mic and says, I got two words for you. And then the camera cuts to uh, X-Pac walking up to Triple H, and you you could see him say, how was that? (laughs) <laughs> and it's really? like yeah he he like if you go back and watch it you'll, and look for it it's right after they do suck it i think x-pac is like standing up like trying to get the crowd going he goes back to triple h and you see him say how was that so it's like there was some part of him that was like hoping like he you know how long has he been waiting to get to go out there and do this and he's hoping that when he finally got to do it that it was good uh do you guys think x-pac's role in this was was like good oh yeah i mean it's funny you, you made the the comment about you know is this like Triple H is like first like real good promo, but you could say like this promo was equivalent both of them um, or like damn near maybe a sixty Triple H forty Xbox, but I mean it's Xbox return is the debut of the Xbox character. Um, it's introducing him to this group, um, him being the third male in ring performer, and then you know from being a guy that's already been with the company, but, you know, having the shoot on, uh, his former employer and everything that just came out of his mouth being completely real. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a great promo for not just triple H It's you know, if it, if it was just triple H, I don't, I don't think anyone would revere it as high as people do. I think, you know, the, the whole duo really makes it right. Alo, you agree with that? Yeah, I agree because X Pac he was the, the the familiarity factor because the crowd knows that he's aligned with Triple H with the whole click thing. He's a he was in WCW, so it's like it gives you other shock factor of oh he jumped again back to WWF. So it added the shock factor, and then also on top of that, he hit on Eric Bischoff, he hit on Hulk Hogan. Those were the the two guys to jab at at that time in the nineties. And also the one thing that I've always I haven't heard anybody ever talk about it because X-Pac says Hall and Nash would be with me if they weren't being held hostage by WCW. Now, I don't recall ever hearing that from either of the guys. I'm not sure if you guys have, but I've always been curious about that whole aspect of it. But I do think X-Pac played his role perfectly. Yeah, I think I've heard both of them, actually. It Probably either on – so back in like 2015 – I was definitely listening a lot to JR's podcast and I was listening to Vince Russo's podcast at the time. 
and not listening to it religiously, but like I'd go back and listen to like certain guys they'd have on to hear the interviews. And I think I definitely heard both Hall and Nash say like, oh yeah, we definitely would have rather been there if we could have been. Like we never wanted to leave in the first place and we would have had more fun there. Um, so I think that is, there is truth to that. And, uh, and t- to your point about him bringing up this stuff with Bischoff and Hogan, it brought like a reality to the fact of like, obviously we talk about the Monday Night Wars and there was a lot of like, heat between the two companies and a lot of fans were like pro one and anti the other uh so this to me was like another moment where it's like the the actual war between the two companies felt really real to me and i'm sure a lot of people like to go out there and bring up like that you know hogan like you suck pal and (laughs) the, the whole stuff with with bischoff it's like oh yeah these guys do hate this guy this war is real. And that really set the tone for the whole DX army, quote unquote, of like all the stuff they would end up doing over the next year. Uh, yeah, I think excellent segment, really fun promo by both guys. Crowd, obviously really into it. And it's really cool that it, one that has like stood the test of time and going back and watching it all these years later, it doesn't feel like dated to me. Like I don't, there's some things I go back and watch and I'm sure you guys both feel the same way. I'm like, uh, I remember that being better than it actually is. And this is one where I go back and I'm like, yep, that's exactly how I remembered it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was excellent. It, like, th- And this is one of the reasons why this particular show was so much fun to go back and watch, like waiting to get to see this. And I hadn't watched it in a while. We talk about it, you know, here and there, but it was fun to get to see it again. All right, so then that takes us to a Val Venus vignette, which I assume this is the first one that he did. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the first exact one, but it's one. It's definitely an early one. The reason why, I, and I, I could have probably gone back and tried to find out. The reason why I think it might have been the first one is because Jr. mentioned like we have a lot of new talent about to come up, like including this guy. And to me, it felt like that was like the introduction of it. Maybe not, but uh. Talking about his latest flick, Live Hard, and they really didn't tone this down at all. <laughs> Not at all. By the way, recently, well, maybe a few weeks ago, I posted the the vignette with him and Jenna Jameson. Wow! In what the, on in Instagram? the uh, yeah, in the uh, the woods, <laughs> a classic, a classic attitude era moment. Um, yeah, like I saw this, and I'm I'm thinking about how old you guys would have been at this time, and I'm like, wow, they really were not playing around seven, <laughs> like seven and eight. this explains why my dad hated us watching <laughs> probably uh but i mean a great vignette if ever i mean you're gonna get a character to appeal to a bunch of like teenage boys that were watching like this is not a bad route to go <laughs> the fact that they were if you ever wonder why, why the way i am i mean i, I think i probably I obviously took some of that wrestling stuff too real yeah you did Eki really took it to heart you were very impressionable and they left their impression on you. Um, it's, pro- it's months after this, I got in trouble in school for hitting a crotch shot more, uh, to a girl on the, the recess yard. So that actually was a question I was going to ask you at the end of the show, is how <laughs> long after this did that event take place? <laughs> Nothing's changed. A, a year Nothing's, tops. <laughs> Nothing's changed, but you still do that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get Taka Michinoku as the lightweight champion against Mark Marrow with Sable. Um, so the overshadowing this whole match is Luna coming out saying she wants a rematch, an evening gown match with Sable and Mark Marrow doesn't want her to do it, but Sable is clearly all in. Um, Mark Marrow does get the win, but like I said, completely overshadowed by Sable. And then, uh, This would never fly today. JR saying that Taka was attacked by three Oriental men. <laughs> like, Oriental is definitely not a thing you're allowed to say anymore. But I laughed at it like, oh, that's pretty dated. Um, it's funny because we did a throwback before, and, and you brought that like exact statement probably. up. Probably. Like, I heard, and I was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> that would not fly today. Um, Kai and Tai, I'm assuming, is who that was. Yeah, that was Kai and Tai. Uh, which is funny that this followed the Val Venus vignette because that yeah. was kind of his first big storyline, wasn't it? The, the mm-hmm. whole thing with uh, Chubby, Chubby, Yamaguchi-san's Chubby. wife. Yeah. <laughs> who was smoking hot, by the way. I don't know if she was actually his wife, but 
I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you went to that. What were your, I, I know how you feel about generic women. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on Sable? Wasn't for me. I don't know. My feeling was like, yeah, you guys like. Is her. this you just your hate from Brock? No, no. Like I really felt that way at the time. She wasn't my my thing, really. And you know what? I have another thing where if I see a woman like doing something that looks like awkward or uncomfortable, or she's like doing something she's not good at, it's like a huge turnoff for me. Um. Like a girl who's trying to be funny and she's not. I'm like, oh, I don't care what you look like. I, I can't do it. Uh, or if she's trying to sound smart and she's not. I'm like, oh, nope, not for me. Sable, like anytime she talked, I was like, oh, this is so bad. Or when she would wrestle. even I felt like even in the wrestling getup, I was like, I don't like how any of this looks. Like So, yeah, she wasn't for me. I assume both of you guys were into Sable. Heck, I know you were. I don't even have to I say seven, I think man. you were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, she was not for me. Um, but she overshadowed the, the whole thing. And I, it's funny how, like, it actually, that actually just was the story. Like, him just being jealous of her spotlight. Yeah. You know, like, that was the whole story. Even, like, JR, even I feel like, was very dismissive of Mark Marrow. Like, yeah, he's still around. Or he made some kind of comment like that, almost like. Yeah, I don't even really re- – it doesn't even register to me that you're still here. Um, Dan Severn comes out, who I was never a fan of, just such a boring, bland, generic guy, just big, kind of big-bellied white guy with a mustache. <laughs> like, uh. Uh, And then Jim Cornette got on the microphone, and I immediately fast-forwarded it. I just can't – I cannot listen to that hillbilly accent. Uh, was there anything with all of this worth talking about? Uh- you missed the best match on the card for the well, NWA. What even for, was it? I don't even for remember. For the coveted NWA tag team <laughs> Who was it? Who was the match? The Headbangers against the new Midnight Express. Mm. Bobastic Bob and uh, Audacious Bart. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Was this match actually good or no? The best match you could find on the card. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's shocking. Yeah. I can't listen to, to Cornette, so I, I won't go back and watch it. Um, Stone Cold, I mean, this was another great thing. Stone Cold uses his one phone call (laughs) call to call into JR. I mean, just amazing. (laughs) And I didn't even remember that, that that had happened. But I loved every second of it. Um, And I think it was good that that was how it ended. Because you could have gotten the Austin coming back to, to raise hell. But I think it was great that they, they gave you something where it's like, oh, I have to see next week. How this is going to play out? Not Little cliffhanger tonight. vibe. Yes, I think it was. And then perfect. you end with multiple cliffhangers. Yeah. So like, and they, I think they ended it in an even better way. So I love this. Paul Bear coming out with Kane as they're setting up the cage around the ring, which I thought I think it's fun to actually see that. Um, and you could hear them like using the tools and stuff on the cage during Paul Bear's promo, mm-hmm. uh, basically just talking about how Kane really wrecked the Undertaker the night before, despite the fact that he lost and challenging The Undertaker to the first-ever Inferno match. And I really love Paul Bear. So good. Always one of my amazing. favorite guys to watch. Uh, and one of those guys that even now, like, I look back on it and I still love any time I get to see Paul Bear. Uh, the Inferno match, Kane won, right? No, Undertaker won. He did? Okay. For some reason, I thought he won that one. Um and then that leads to the main event of the evening. Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack versus the New Age Outlaws for the undisputed WWF Tag Team Championships. Uh, I mean, not much of a match per se, but I thought, and if you guys agree or disagree, chime in. I thought just a great segment to close the show. Yeah, it was a great yeah, segment. Yeah, amazing segment. Because the actual the match, match was a mess. Crazy for, yeah. You don't even get Funkin' um, Foley's entrance, correct? Then they got an entrance. They did. They. I mean, it was like a quick just walk down the ramp. Did they even walk out with the belts? No. I don't remember because, that part. Uh, no, I'm glad you said that because we have a full circle moment. First one met yeah. Ash. And uh, me and Eric at the bar arguing mm. about. <laughs> 
cactus and, ch- and a chainsaw with a tag team champions. Well, neither <laughs> yeah. of us were really wrong <laughs> because Eric was thinking that no, they had a cage match the night after for the titles and the outlaws were the champions. And I said, no, they won the night before in the dumpster. But the the lawyer that apparently Stone Cold had during the draft uh, <laughs> said that the said that Cactus and Chainsaw put them in the wrong dumpster. So that's why we have to <laughs> the, the undisputed tag team champions. Yeah, yeah. I, I was even going to point that out that like it's not like it wasn't like when o two o three when they were calling the world title the undisputed title. This was just undisputed because the belt went back and forth, you know, briefly, real quick. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, I'm glad what you, uh, Aaron mentions the, the full circle <laughs> moment because this night, this match is something that I, I always remember that conversation. And I remember, holy shit, that was 2015, 2015. Like, I know I had just watched this show like recently before that. And like when we made the debate at the bar, I'm sitting there, I was like, I just watched this. Like, uh, like I'm sitting here, like, what, like, you know, it's kind of easy to forget. And especially when like during the entrance, they don't come out with the belts and it's, it's almost sad. It's just because, you know, Foley could have had in his three incarnations, he could have held that same belt as all three characters. But I mean, technically I guess he did, but there's just no visual (laughs) to prove it. Yeah. What a day that was, by the way, it's like, it's like Jericho and his uh, European title win. There's like very few and far between pictures of it. Yeah. Uh, hell of a day that was because, I mean, if not <laughs> for that day, who knows if the three of us would be sitting here even talking about this right now. Something else is full circle. We met Foley. Yeah, right. Like that was what brought the three of us like to get the first time. Eck, I know the first time you and I kind of hung out independently of – Laugh, who's how we met each other, and we had hung been out all uphill since we hung out with Adam. <laughs> um, yeah, we hung out at the Rumble, and then we hung out at the NXT show, and then I think this is the first time that it was like, "Hey, we should go do this thing." And yeah. you brought Alo, and this is the first time I met Alo very briefly, or I at least saw him. I believe at Xfinity uh, <laughs> Live. Uh, this is the first time I actually talked to him. And, yeah, like, this probably would not be happening if not for that day where we met Foley. I feel like we were almost like Foley's guests of honor. <laughs> Hold up the line. Uh, let, yeah. Let's, let's mainly lean it on you. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, yeah, the one one of the times that pandering really worked out in our favor. Like, wearing the Sasha Banks Legit Boss t-shirt, knowing he was a mark for Sasha. He has me sit down at the table and then just telling us stories for, like, <laughs> at least ten minutes, if not a little more than that. And he pulls out his 2002 flip phone, passes it to his uh, manager, and has to take a picture with you. That's right. He got his picture taken with me that day, which is amazing. An amazing tidbit that I had forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, he specifically anything, requested I- to get his picture taken with me. And that was not the only time that Mick Foley requested to get his picture taken with me. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw his one-man show at Helium, um. Oh yeah, hate. I remember I couldn't get out of work that day. Yeah, so the Pope was about to be in the city, like either that day or the next day. I can't remember if there was like something where there was supposed to be like a hurricane coming through or something, but the city was like deserted. Um, it, it was because of the Pope. Okay, but I wore my Jay Lethal shirt. Jay Lethal beat Ric Flair, who beat Edge, who beat whatever, and Mick Foley's name is on there. And when I walked up wearing that shirt, he's like, I love that shirt, and asked to get his picture with me again, which is just hilarious. That the two times I've met Mick Foley, he specifically asked to get his picture taken with me. <laughs> just, it's so great, I think. Um, but yeah, this so like you said, it wasn't much of a match, but this was exactly what it needed to be. Like, them tying uh, um, Terry Funk to the cage and hand, handcuffing his neck to the cage. Like, it's brutal. And then them just, like, beating the shit out of Cactus Jack. And then DX coming out to help. It was, like, perfect. It, it like, capped the night off so perfectly of Triple H saying earlier, like, we're about to build the army. And then you get to find out in real time who the next group of guys to join them are. And, like, this would become the DX that, like, really, as a, ge- like a generation fell in love with. 
Like all oh, of the yeah. crazy stuff DX this did is, with this those is four the guys. best version of DX, no matter what. Yeah, like obviously Sean is the greatest out of them, and obviously just about anything he did was great and was entertaining. But like when you think of DX, this is who you think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for most people. So, like I think when there's when the argument ever comes up, what's better, NWO or DX? Like. I'm thinking of Road Dog, Billy Gunn, X Pac, Triple H, China. Oh, that was better than any variation of the NWO. Yeah, and they tried to add the DX numerous times, but they were like, nope, they weren't having it. Yeah, and then you finally get to see them. I mean, even have like either JR or Michael Cole saying, if these are the latest uh, additions to Degeneration X, like we're going to have a lot of problems here. And really, like they that, were that iconic image of them all standing up on the cage at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as much as I don't like Brian, Brian, I'm sorry, I know you're listening, and I don't mean to upset you. <laughs> and as much as I don't like Billy Gunn, uh, these guys were just like perfect to to put in there with China Helmsley and uh, X Pac. Um, like I said, great segment, great way to close the show. It was like a great kind of climax to that episode. And then, again, another thing like X said a little while ago, like, okay, what are these guys going to do now? Like, what is going to be next for these guys? Um, so this was like a huge change that came out of WrestleMania, which I don't know if you feel that way anymore coming out of WrestleMania. Like, okay, things are changing now. But this felt like, and Alo, I think I always do view the Attitude Era as the birth of Mr. McMahon. So I do look at that like Survivor Series fallout as the birth of it. But to make the point of this being the start of the Attitude Era, this was truly like this company, this show are different now than they were. They're different coming out of WrestleMania than they were going into it. So it was like a complete change for this company. Um, And this was like the birth of a new era for them. So like any more uh, thoughts or feelings you guys have on this like closing segment and the birth of the DX Army? Yeah, and th- and the thing with Foley, since he had those three faces, this was the way to write off Cactus because he will be do love the, the next week to face Austin at Unforgiven. So the way thing, so this was a nice way to actually write Cactus Jack off for television. Yeah, like and this is also like Mick Foley's like least favorite segment he was ever a part of. Really? Has he said that? Multiple times he hated the degrading Bronco Buster. <laughs> he's sitting there and he's, you know, talks about, because that was the, the old blue cage and he's, you know, getting rammed repeatedly into the cage and how bad it hurts. It hurts. And then all of a sudden he's laying there in the corner and then it's, oh, here comes Sean Waltman's testicles mm. on my face over and over and over. And he's just like, what am I doing? Does he have heat with Sean Waltman or no? No, no. But, but I mean, that's just that's like his personal um, criticism or wanting more for his character and career. But yeah, definitely no, no ill feelings towards I think any of those guys. Well, yeah, and luckily for Mick, he would reach some of the highest highs of his career not too long after this, so he can't be and too, just too that, upset with. With those four gentlemen eventually in his corner. Right. Like, they were some of the guys that really helped put that whole mm-hmm. thing over the way they did. Like, one of the greatest moments in the history of WWF. Um, so, any final thoughts about the Raw after Mania 14? Nope. Fun show. Not the best quality match-wise, but as far as a television show, it was really fun. Eck, how about you? My best he speaks for me. <laughs> and to your point about not the best match quality, if if there's ever proof that the match quality is not the most important thing, it is a show like this where you had yes. so much fun watching it, and that was like, I don't want to say the afterthought, but that was definitely not the uh, like the bread and butter of the show. Now imagine if you get the match quality that you have now with the entertainment value that you had then, it would be an unbelievable show. It would be a showstopper every week, but instead, they they give us what they give us. Um, and unfortunately, if it's ever back to that level, I'll never know anyway because I'm I'm done with them. But uh, no news to anyone who listens to the show. No news <laughs> to either of you. Um, so I'm glad we reviewed this one. I hope 
as a listener, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope we at least, if you haven't already, I hope you go back and watch it because it's a fun hour and 32-minute watch. Uh, I hope you guys had fun talking about it because I know I did. Um, Alo, you want to move a little merch? Yes. Uh, next week, I know Eric needs a reminder, even though I'm a plaster it all over the place mm-hmm. so you're near your fridge so put it on your fridge write it down i don't know what you got you gotta post it mm-hmm. whatever so next week is ecw barely legal i will repeat it's ecw barely legal then the week after that backlash 2004 i'll repeat it again backlash 2004 and then the month of may is just reviews and previews because we got money in the bank preview then a review and then after the week is after that we got double or nothing previews and reviews if they're still going on <laughs> and we have a new sponsor by the way uh ringside collectibles for all your wrestling figure needs use promo code m madness it's not lawyer anymore I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a mark for myself uh m madness for 10 percent off your order and for your wrestling for your T needs what a movie.net and get your tees from for your favorite MMA podcast from your boy Elroy on Teespring. Yes, and since you brought up your boy Elroy, if you are an MMA fan or enthusiast, every Friday check out your boy Elroy with our co-host Josh Prepagina and Andre Rodriguez. So for Ek to Fly, Eric Trembicki. For Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery Jr. and we will see you next week. Hop on the top rope by the land with this elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my ball. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't shake the land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.